0: when I asked the private equity people, what's the most important thing when you look to buy a company? And they said, every one of them said, it's the leadership in the company. It's the people in the company that make a difference.
1: Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, a podcast where I talk to founders and investors and retailers about what it takes to launch successful brands, From developing a compelling proposition and brand identity, to raising capital, to getting distribution, and more. My name is Christy Bridges, and I'm a marketing expert with tons of experience and a true love for all things health and wellness. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Irresistible Factor. Today, I'm super excited to welcome Mark Timby. Mark is the former president of McCormick North America and the chief administrative officer, and now... He's a partner in Center Partners, a private equity firm based in New York. I am thrilled to have him as a guest. So welcome, Mark.
0: Thank you. Glad to be here.
1: Nice to be chatting with you. I'm excited to hear your take on entrepreneurship and brand building and what makes something irresistible to you as an investor. You know, we talk a lot to startups and mid-stage brands and I've spoken with a lot of founders, but what I really want to share on this podcast is what makes a brand really truly irresistible to someone like you or a company like yours.
0: On the private equity arena, you know, we would look for unique brands, ones not necessarily the largest brand. In fact, often it's not the largest brand, but a unique and different brand from the market leaders that has a distinctive target audience that really likes the product or loves the product from that end. I also look for names that help reinforce that brand and are somewhat unique in their branding because I think that helps differentiate you from others. So we look for, just like anybody would, you know, good brand, solid brand, but something that's a little bit different, and something that be, can be grown. And growth would come in a couple of ways. One would be distribution opportunities. Many private equity companies are very good at bringing in professional salespeople, experience, a lot of experience with top customers we have contacts at Walmart, at Costco, all the big players, and we can help bring unique brands to market. But the key is it's got to be unique. It's got to be different. It's got to have a differentiation of some sort.
1: So like what size brands are you guys interested in? At what point in a brand's life cycle? Not not super, super early?
0: Yeah. So if you look at it, the world of, as I understand anyway, you would have venture capital. Mm -hmm. And venture capital would work on startup brands and ideas, concepts perhaps, and maybe they have the prototype there, and they're trying to expand that from there. But they may not have a lot in sales, they may not have a lot in profits, and, that, and a venture capital company often will make investments, but they'll get a very large percentage of the company going forward, okay? The private equity space, where we look at companies that have sales and have earnings, Okay. So we'd normally be looking at businesses that have, you know, ideally at least $5 million in EBITDA and Mm -hmm. $40 to $50 million in sales and that have significant growth potential. As I mentioned before, either through distribution opportunities or, you know, online selling opportunities, online platforms are very good. I mean, how far along are they in leveraging Amazon capabilities to grow a brand? because we can bring in skills that would help that. You can actually bring in people like yourself who've done a lot of work for me in the past about how to build brands in these different unique areas. So I think, you know, that's sort of the scope. So we also buy businesses that make $50 million and 500 million sales. But we'll go down to the smaller size, particularly if we think there's a growth potential uniqueness there.
1: How do brands find you or how do you find them? What's the process like?
0: Well, that's what the, I think the owners of Center are, are extremely good at because they have a network built up of many people, not boutique banks. So the banks and many of these smaller companies would, would be, we buy, they buy many family companies. Many, many times the first investment capital would be put into these companies, all right? So that they are very aware of, you know, call wealthy families and or businesses that have it and they cultivate those activities. Some are brought by banks. Some are brought by partners like myself. May see a business they think is unique, think there's opportunity, may bring it to them and say, hey, this would be a good opportunity to do it. So there's many, many ways to get in contact, but it's a very competitive field. There are a lot of companies out there, a lot of private equity, and there's a lot of money around. But the most important thing, I think, my advice to anybody looking to do it, is you better trust the people coming in. You really ought to do the checks on them and find out who else they've worked with. Talk with the people. Really do your due diligence because you'll be making a decision for some time about your business, your baby that you grew, You know, your unique business that you grew in that. Most private equity companies take a majority interest in the company that's what i
1: was just going to ask
0: and most most private equity companies want and many require the owner and entrepreneur to stay on
1: right
0: to stay the next level of growth and many times they want that entrepreneur owner to take some of the money that they would have been paid for their business and roll that into the investment going forward in the business there so that they can sale the business after having grown both sales and profit, get another reward for their business. And that's why it's a lot. Many family businesses look to do that. They want to get some capital in. They put everything they've had into this business. They want to get some capital out, but they still believe their business has growth potential and they may need some people to help. So... A private equity company like Center, they'll bring in someone like myself and others and many others that would come in, work alongside the management team and try to really put together a growth program. Because the days of buying a company and thinking you're going to strip the cost and load it up with debt, that may have been the model that was years ago. But now, if we can't grow a company and can't see a way to grow, significantly grow a company then quite honestly, we have no interest in it. Therefore, we want the owner to be with us because most of the time they know the business very well and the private equity company can bring in some expertise that they don't have, whether it be knowledge about how to sell on Amazon or knowledge of major customers to how to get distribution or knowledge how to use digital advertising in a unique way that they're not doing right now or Bring in someone like Soft to, to help them figure out ways to target specific people to build a brand.
1: Are there specific things you look for? Like do you have a this is a really layman's term, but do you have a checklist of a brand has to have the following things for us to even think about investing?
0: Well, I guess we could go back to what I said before, you know, looking mm-hmm. at something unique, you're looking for a niche. You're not necessarily looking for the dominant brand because you're going to pay a huge amount of money for that. You're looking yeah. you're looking for a company that say may have had a very good success in one channel, but hasn't expanded it to another channel. So you say, well, consumers liked it there. We think we can help you bring it to other channels. You may have to change your packaging, you may have to change your pricing, you may have to change you know your product slightly or that, but we can help Get it there. So we look for opportunities that set in, in the growth. And that it's amazing how many companies haven't fully leveraged direct to consumer sales, okay? Or mm-hmm. well, even on their basic website or using leverage into Amazon or other kinds of third party sellers, et cetera, you can expand and target uh, your customers that way. So it's really that. And it, it gets down to judgment too. And I would say one of the other judgment factors when I ask the private equity people. What's the most important thing when you look to buy a company? And they said, every one of them has said, it's the leadership in the company. It's the people in the company that make a difference. So yes, if you have a unique brand and differentiated that great, but then there's nobody in the company or no leadership there, that's not a real positive things. That doesn't mean you have to have a lot of people, but you need to sue You need a cadre of people who are committed, knowledgeable brand that want to drive it forward. We can always add resources around it, but it's kind of tough to add the top level resource.
1: Really? Like you couldn't, you wouldn't consider a brand that was a really strong brand or a really good idea, but didn't have good leadership?
0: In that case what would be the case there because then the person's selling and they most likely aren't going to want to stay around. Right. Okay. Or you're not sure they're going to stay around. If that's the case, then often you'd use an operating partner like myself or others who want and be looking to say, okay, you're going to go on the board, but you may end up running the company. Yeah. So yeah. they do it that way now. Yeah. My days of running a business are over because I have no interest in doing that anymore. But yeah. still, there are other people there where well, we'd actually bring in someone with a good experience to do that. I mean, everybody thinks they've got good management. Okay.
1: Yes, of okay. course.
0: But the thing that you, it's sometimes you can tell how committed people are if they're not interested in rolling over any money. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, they, putting the any
0: they Now they're gonna roll it over they're, oh I don't want to roll it over. Rather, no, they're not really into the business. Okay. So that's, that's a telltale on, on what it would be. So, but again, if you've got a major brand, but it can't be grown grown, you don't think it can be grown, it's real difficult to make the math, okay? It's very difficult to make the math. because what a- you're gonna pay a big price for
1: Yeah, okay? so There's a lot of private equity money. There are a lot of startup brands, but it still seems really competitive. Is it?
0: Oh, it's very competitive. There's so much money out there chasing the return on the deals that have been been coming down. Mm -hmm. Huge private equity companies are getting into smaller and smaller deals. Really? My advice would be, you really have to have comfort with the people. Yeah. When I decided to join Center, because usually as an operating partner, I can only be in one private equity company. And you may say, well, why is that? Why can you only be with one private equity company? Well, because if I work for multiple private equity companies, they could end up looking at the same deal.
1: Yeah. The same opportunity. Yeah. So how do
0: I get in the middle of so I was advised this before I started and I said, okay. I did due diligence and I talked to two or three people who have worked with center partners and each one of them said is that they're honest and trustworthy, And that's the most important thing, particularly as a operating partner, because you could be putting yourself at some sort of risk and not know about it with people that, because I'm not the most sophisticated financial person, you know, in the business and I'm not bad at it, but that's not my, so I want to be in with people I trust, you know, I've been not disappointed at all in that, in that area. So there's a comfort factor. If somebody's looking to go with a private equity people, you better be able to think that, you know, I think I could go out and have a beer with this person. Or I could go out and have a drink and enjoy them. You're going to be spending a huge amount of time with them, and you better have a sense that you like like and can work with them, and they're going to bring some value, and that you're going to be respected and all that. There are plenty of people who come in. And they're usually ones that don't get it, who are a little bit arrogant, that they know everything. They've done everything. You know, you see that coming in there. My advice is don't do that. You probably know your business better than they do. They may know a lot. They're not going to know your business like you know your business.
1: And when you make a deal with someone, what's it like to get going? Like what happens to a brand when they first start working <laughs> with guys? Well,
0: I, I would say the first thing you do is do no harm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you do that out and you try to understand what do you know about the brand? What research do you have on the brand? Many of these smaller companies don't have the research. I mean, I'm used to having lots of different research for the different brands there. And that's where, you know, there's sometimes some knowledge you may not have, but you should go find it. So during that time versus changing the brand, you know, I would, Use a program like your iFactor to help me get me some insight into the brand before I go changing things. So I say the first thing you do is, you know, like anything else, unless there's an urgency that needs to be done with something right away, the first thing you got to do is make sure you know the people, you got to install your financial controls, you know, you got to build rapport with the people, you got to understand what gaps you may have, the people you need to hire in and what you need to do. You need to develop a brand and growth plan. How are you going to grow this plan? Now, before we go into a company, we've already done a five to 10-year growth plan. We figured out in our minds what it is we're going to do to grow this brand. But that was our minds with some input from the owners, right? So the real message is that, okay, here's my plan. Does this make any sense? Okay, what did we miss here? Or is there something that's just wrong in that? So you, you go through a process of, trying to figure out what you got to do. Because once you've decided where you got to go, you got to execute quickly. That's one thing yeah. about property. You have to move. Time is money. You got to figure out where you're going to go and you got to accelerate it, and you got to get it done. But it's worth the time to figure out what you want to do with it.
1: That's interesting. I like that first do no harm. It's interesting to think about because I think the, there are probably some firms that come in and want to change everything right away. I would imagine that happens also.
0: Yeah, I think there are some that would end up doing that. But I think that, you know, we've all been around brands and didn't understand the essence of the brand. And the next thing you know, you do something you didn't realize. Yeah. You change the packaging from glass to pack to plastic because it's cheaper. And then you say, oh, I saved this money. Yeah, maybe. okay, but what happens if the consumer really liked your package and really Mm -hmm. liked it because glass and glass? is a signal that this is better than what else is out there. And your competition wasn't in plastic. I'm just laying it out. For example, yeah. you know? Yeah. I'd like to know what consumer thought before I ran off to save money and now, If I could, through contract negotiation, lower the price of glass, nothing wrong with that.
1: Right. Nothing wrong
0: with going after to save money to do what we're doing at a cheaper price. That makes a lot of sense. But I think before you go changing the branding, you got to understand what it is you want to do and where you want to take the brand.
1: Yeah. Do you have, like, this is what you always would say if someone said, give me some advice for people who are looking to get either private equity money or VC money, what would your advice to them be?
0: I would develop a business plan of what you think and where you can take your business and what you think of it. And if it's a private equity company or even a venture capital company, I would want to show them my plan. Which comes to the other thing that I didn't mention, I think it's worth mentioning. Smaller companies would be better off doing, if they could do what I call test and learns, small scale tests. They may not be totally quantitative, but you see and are measuring a lift of off take. that, hey, I did this program and maybe I did it in this chain. And when I did this program in this chain or this advertising mix or this targeted digital advertising campaign, I saw a lift of X percent. Mm -hmm. Because what they're going to be looking for is okay, how do I take that test and learn and expand that into other markets and other companies? Right. So having an idea of how you could grow, and the answer is, well, just give me $10 million or $5 million and I'll grow the business. No. Be better off spending 100000 hundred thousand, two hundred thousand 200000 in a small area to see if you really have something that can lift off, take, and show what I call vitality testing.
1: Mm-hmm. Say, I did
0: this program in this area, in this market. Hey, I got lift. I got some. Can I tell you exactly it's going to return? Maybe not. But I know there's lift, and I know there's potential there. And they may then decide, OK, let's take that learning, and let's try a little bigger area. Let's try a little different way. Let's try some other ones there to test it and learn it before they spend the big money because once they spend make the significant investments then they it's not they have to get a return you know the same way is you know you may develop programs with customers which you're committing to only if they take distribution of the product or only they do what you need them to do when you're and you're betting that you're going to you know, maybe you have a digital advertising program. Say, I'm going to spend X, Y, Z. and But it's only subject to you, Mr. Customer. You take distribution and use right. that as part of your distribution costs. You know, if it helped you get in distribution, extraordinarily valuable. Yes. So you may use these kind of programs that go market by market, customer by customer. So it goes back to having a business plan, a business case. The most amount of things, of test and learn, of things that you've learned that you think you can grow your brand is. You want to identify that. And you want to convince that private equity paper or in the venture capital, probably a little less information, but want to convince them that there's vitality. There. And you just want to make sure that they see this and that you understand where those opportunities may lie.
1: And then it gets me to the question of how important is data to you? so. You could do that in a small geography, some kind of test and learn, and have some anecdotal or maybe some data, but how important is data really?
0: I think the data becomes very important on it. Now, what I mean, you may not be able to do a total return on investment of every expense and every return but you will want to see some data that says, hey, the offtake and the customer increase. So if I'm in a Walmart, hey, I use their data and say, hey, wow, this is really improved in these group of stores because that's mm-hmm. where we're in the air. You know, you need to have some scanning data to show the increase. If you don't have scanning data, then you can try to use factory sales to show, hey, I started this program. I have been averaging, you know, twenty cases a week, and I did this program, and now I'm averaging thirty cases a week, and therefore, so. I understand a lot of small businesses don't have a lot of data. Yeah, but there's more out there than you think, and you got to try to use it and use whatever. And you know, hey, look for small businesses, your factory sales are a pretty good indicator what the heck's happening. Okay, because you know you ship to a customer, and you know that they're not going to buy more than unless the stuff is sold. Okay, after you've gotten the the shelf placement, so you can get a pretty good idea from that end. You know, you can. And many times, a customer will share that information with you if you don't have the scanning data. and Say, "Hey, here's how you did. It. You know, yeah. that's what happened on your promotion and your ID." Okay. But I think it's pretty important because you need enough of it. But you don't have to do what some companies do. Is you know, they have mathematical models on every single investment and they do a return analysis and blah blah blah. You don't have to do that. You know, it'd be nice if you did, but you, is that really realistic with a bunch right. of sizes and the size of that?
1: Probably not. Yeah, that's a tough one for people because yeah. I think that a lot <clears throat> of people think they have to pay a lot of money for data and then it defeats the purpose of, of what they're doing.
0: Well, I mean, that's why it's nice if you you know go back to Walmart because you can get their retail link, you know. And, well, here's another one for you too. Every single significant broker, okay. Yes, buys a package of data from Nielsen, IRI, et cetera, and they've got it. You just could go ask them, okay. He yeah. said, so, Mr. Broker, I want to see what's going on in this marketplace. I want to see the scanning on that thing. Hey, let's run a test. You're my broker. Let's see if we can find a way to drive sales. And how can you look at your data to be able to tell us how successful this is? Yeah. So there are places that that doesn't cost you anything. They have certain limitations of what they can do with that data. But overall, they're pretty, you know, I mean, they're paying for it, meaning the broker's paying for it. So, you know, that data wants to make a C value. So, I think that's part of it. So. so, there's a lot of places to ask for the data to try to get it, even if you buy it yourself.
1: Yeah. And this year's been weird. I mean, I think getting distribution for new brands, especially startups this year, is <coughs> almost impossible because the retailers. Nobody's interested. Yeah, right, right. So, is that something that you guys. Retailers
0: at this stage with COVID. They really care about supply
1: yeah yeah
0: so particularly in food products as the sales have gone up many of the manufacturers aren't able to deal with a big increase so they're really interested in can you deliver what you need it and that's not easy because so many times you have COVID in a plant and you got people that are sick and you got to yeah. shut down and all those things so New product placement in today's, right now in today's world, whether it be in retail or in food service. Food service is even worse. Yep. Even worse. How many restaurants have been shut down? I mean, yep. and, and the impact. The last thing, I mean, you look at some of the big distributors like Cisco, you know, they've cut out huge levels. They had to. I mean, it wasn't something they wanted to do. They had no choice. Yeah. Right? They cut out huge levels of people. Well, now you got people doing huge amounts of work. They don't have time an effort to think, oh, do I want this brand? What they want to know is, can you give me that brand? Can you get it to me and deliver it so I can service the customers I have? And oh, by the way, my sales may be volatile because guess what? My customer sales are volatile. Therefore, you've got to be able to respond to my need. One week, it may be 100 cases. The next week, it may be 1,000 cases. They're not going to keep a lot of inventory on hand. So you need to be responsive to meeting their needs as best you can. And the people who do that well, will be considered for new lines coming in the future.
1: Yeah, it's definitely been challenging to get distribution for new brands this year. Yeah. All right. Well, great. I mean, all this is so helpful. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up?
0: You know, it's an interesting time for brands. The old larger brands, sometimes being large and big is a negative. With the younger consumers, they seem to want something different, something unique, something that doing. And it doesn't seem that the equity built up in the past is as strong as what sometimes young brands can get in and get some vitality and energy going. So I think there's a lot of opportunity in that, but we need a little bit more distribution as your goal. Then we got to get through a little bit farther with COVID because it's very hard to do.
1: Yep. Yep. All right. Great. Well, I agree with all that and everything you said. So thank you so much. I think it's going to be so valuable to the listeners to hear all of your advice. Thank you for listening to The Irresistible Factor. I'm Christy Bridges, and I can't wait to see you next Wednesday.